Jesus. We are glad to have you. My name is Matt Randall, and if you don't know me, I am the executive pastor of Operations and Spiritual Growth, which is a big old title, which means I get to work with the teams uh, and help lead the teams that do a lot of the behind, stu- uh, behind the scenes stuff around here. Uh, it's awesome work, uh, and I'm grateful to do it. And uh, when you see an espresso shot, usually that means that uh, the boss takes a break. Uh, so he's been spending some time with his family this week, uh, and also. Uh, seeking after God and what he's got on his heart for the next series. It's a good series, so invite your friends uh, this week, next week, every week in between. It's going to be a good one. Uh, But as an espresso shot, let's just jump right into it. Uh, Today we're going to talk about prayer, and it's something that's been on my heart, and we've worked as a team uh, to uh, hopefully encourage you today on the issue of prayer. But what is it? Like, what are we talking about? We're talking about, in your notes, the ongoing internal and or external conversation with God. Yep, it's the internal thought that you have and anxiety that you hand over to God. It's also, God, please let me get to work without hurting someone in the road rage. It's everywhere in between, but it's the internal and external conversation that we have going on with God. In a preparation for this week, this issue for me is, well, there have been times in my life where prayer has been crucial. There have also been times in my life where my prayer has lacked And there's a particular portion of my journey in faith that I want to walk through in our time today. And it starts back in 2011. In 2011, I was uh, at work, I was doing a presentation, and uh, I got a phone call from my mom. Uh, And I had one of those cool hip holster things, right? So my hip buzzed, and I looked at it. It was a call from my mom during the workday, and that was odd, but I thought maybe she just needs me to call her after work or something. And uh, so I snapped that baby back on my hip. And uh, it rang again. And at this point, I thought, oh, okay, something's, when there's a break in what I'm doing, I need to probably call home and see what's going on. Uh, my wife called a few minutes after that. And it was at that point that I knew something, something was up, something was not right. And so I called my wife, and a few hours later, we're sitting in my mom's living room, and through tears, she tells me that she's been diagnosed with stage three lung cancer. In that kind of moment, if you've been in one, it's, it's almost the beginning of a journey in itself. And so in that moment, I was able to look across the room and muster every ounce of faith that I had inside of me and, and try to encourage her and, and tell her that we're going to beat it. Now, you know that if you've had a family member or a friend or you yourself have dealt with a diagnosis, that that, that conversation is not where the journey ends. There's a lot that comes after that. And for me, my, my journey in prayer in that season of my life is something that I want to share with you today. There are some things that I tripped over and found that were valuable and blessings for me. There were some things that I didn't get right, some real struggles that I had. But no matter where you are in your faith, whether you have accepted Christ and would consider yourself a strong believer, or maybe you're an atheist or an agnostic, and you you are welcome here every week of the year, I want to talk through these ideas, and hopefully something will sit with you that you can take home today. But I want to talk about the struggles. See, all of us throughout our faith journey has ups and downs, and we all struggle from time to time. And for me in prayer, I've had five particular struggles I've worked through. There may be a hundred, but I want to take a look at five. Number one is this idea that, well, I've got this. 
You see, we have these, these things in our life that we don't give over to God in prayer because we just, we got this. You know, sure, God created me, but he gave me a brain to think logically, and most of the things in my life I can handle. And then God comes along with a little humility and just sort of rocks you a little bit. Anybody have one of those experiences? And you realize, I do not have this. Maybe for you, though, it's the right words. We struggle with the right words to say. That somehow you have to have a special language to communicate with God. We get anxious about how, oh, I, don't, I might not pray in the right way. I might not have the right words. I call it the Ikea complex. Now, how many of you have been to Ikea? Anybody been to, or heard of Ikea, seen a catalog that you've been difficult, it's been difficult to understand? Uh, the thing about Ikea is they don't have couches. So if you need a couch and you go to Ikea, here's what happens. You walk into the store. There's nothing named a couch. In all of Ikea, they have hemnesses, they have hikenflukens, but you wander your way three quarters of the way through the store, always past the meatballs, to find yourself a couch. We do not need hikenflukens or hemnesses to be able to speak to God. In fact, he speaks all the languages, in case you're curious. And so let's not struggle with those right words, but still yet we do. Sometimes it goes to our faith. That we think that God doesn't listen or maybe he, he doesn't care. Maybe care about you or care about the thing that you're facing. Maybe you feel like it's insignificant. But in John chapter 15, here's what Jesus says about whether he cares or not. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for, you may pray for anything that you want and it will be granted. Now, the temptation is to think this is some kind of genie-in-the-bottle statement, right? That anything that you want, as long as you believe in Jesus, it's yours. That's not where Jesus is going here. What he says is that as long as you stay connected to me, if you are in my will, what I'm doing on this earth, and you ask in my will on this earth for help to accomplish it, I will be there. I will back you up. Now, there's another another one. And we, and we covered this struggle in our last series, Internal Enemies. If you, hadn't, if you didn't see that talk that Danny gave us, I hope that you'll go back and watch it. And it's this idea of shame. Some of us have a, a pattern of sin or, or something that we've wrestled with that we have a feeling of embarrassment or shame, so it keeps us from approaching our Father in Heaven. But somehow, if, well, if I, was, if I was close to Jesus, I wouldn't still struggle with this thing. Or maybe it's just a huge screw-up that's happened in your life recently that you're allowing, whether it's been done to you or that you've done, to keep you from Jesus. Here's what 1 John chapter 1 says. If we confess our sins, he, Jesus, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He literally washes it away. If you go back into the book of Psalms, we get this visual picture of what it looks like when those sins are removed from us. It says that he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. And then here's what our Lord is like. Our Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. So if you're struggling with shame and this idea that something in your life is keeping you in between, you don't have to fight through that. Even with that, as you are, you can approach him. And yet, there's another one. There's this idea of, of unanswered prayer. Maybe you've been there, you've done that, it didn't go your way, and you're not going back again in an area of your life or maybe all of your life. And I want to cover this one by the time that we're done today, so I'm going to set that one aside for a second. 
And what I want to say is that if you're feeling some sort of guilt right now, that, oh man, okay, my, my prayer life is not what it should be, and maybe it's one of those reasons that's hitting you in the heart like it did me this week, I do not want you to feel guilt right now. Because see, here at Emmanuel, we don't bring you in and make you feel guilty and send you out into the world. Like our job is to get together and learn together how do we get better at following Jesus, taking one practical step forward each and every week to get us closer. That's what we're going to do. So let's start by defining what a healthy relationship looks like. I think a healthy relationship with Christ is best identified by how we communicate with him. It's just like a parent to a child. It's just like a friend to a friend. It's just like a marriage and a husband and a wife. The level of our communication, the health of our communication can usually be the temperature of which the overall relationship is. So how do we get better at it? I have two and a half main ideas for you today, okay? I saved it from three. It's just two and a half. Calm down. Two and a half main ideas in your notes. Here's one of them. I think persistent prayer builds a resilient faith. Persistent prayer builds a resilient faith. If I were to ask you, what kind of faith do you want to have? Do you want to have the kind of faith that struggles when that little thing comes by? That little speed bump trips you up again? Or do you want to have the kind of faith that's resilient, that can stand the test of the life that comes at us each and every day? How many of you want the resilient kind of faith? Well, let's talk about what it means to be persistent in our prayer. The Apostle Paul, in a letter to the church at Thessalonica, it's called 1 Thessalonians in your Bible. In chapter 5, here's what Paul says. He says, rejoice always, and then say this with me, guys. Pray without ceasing. One more time. Pray without ceasing. Now, how many of you have read that before, heard that before, heard it preached before, and there's this, there's this temptation we have, right, where it's like, okay, Paul, so I wake up in the morning, and the first thing I do is pray, and I don't stop till I go to bed. That's a lonely life with not a lot of talking to other people. That's not what Paul means. In fact, there's a Greek word that's used for this without ceasing idea. Here's the Greek word. It's in your notes this week. It's called adialoptos. And here's what it means. It just means properly. It means with no unnecessary gaps in space or time. For example, it's just it's often, as often as required. And here's what hit me this week. What hit me this week is that prayer is supposed to act like a punctuation in our lives. It's supposed to act like the commas and the semicolons and the periods and the quotation marks of our lives. What Paul is saying is don't pray every word when you wake up and then you go to bed. And what he's saying very simply is this. Every time you take a breath in between the things of your life, the phases of your day, the seasons of diagnoses or change, all of them are opportunities for prayer. The comma in between your morning and your afternoon is an opportunity for prayer. And when your mom's diagnosed with cancer and you wake up in the morning, you don't get to choose whether or not to think about how your mom is doing that day. It's, it's something that is on your mind all the time. And, and so you can choose whether to leave that to God or to wrestle with the anxiety and the hurt and the pain all by yourself. And in that season, I learned I had to be persistent because it, well, it was for me as much as it was for my mom. And so I would ask God consistently to help her day get better so she wouldn't feel as much pain as today as she did yesterday, that that test would go well. And that God would just generally take care of my mom. 
And as I got in a healthy rhythm of doing that, I was only doing, what some, doing something that Dallas Willard said really, really well. Here's what Dallas Willard says about this idea. He says, praying with frequency, or you could say persistently, gives us the readiness to pray again as needed from moment to moment. The more we pray, the more we think to pray. Think about that for just a second. The more that we pray, the more that we train ourselves to pray. That's how our mind works. It's how our faith works. Because we see the results of prayer. The responses of our Father to our requests. Our confidence in God's power ends up spilling over into other areas of our life. When we pray persistently, because the more that we pray, the more that we think to pray, And that happened for me. As I began praying more for my mom's daily battles, the little ones, God showed up. And as he did, those results, well, they did something. They did something powerful. In your notes, those specific prayers fueled my faith. Specific prayer fuels our faith. This week I read over what is my life verse. It's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And I've read it a ton of times. I literally have like a canvas of it on my wall in my office. And something hit me new this week. I don't know if you've done that before, if you've read scripture and you, and you, you see it one time, you see it one time, you see it one time, and then something else clicks. And that happened this week. I want to show it to you. So Philippians chapter 4, Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. But in, say it with me. Everything. Wait, how many things? Wait, wait, the little things or? Paul says, in everything. By prayer and petition. Now, there are two words here on purpose. Paul uses prayer. We've already talked about This is the overall conversation. Your prayer can be your emotions. It can be the way that you're feeling that day. It can be the thing in front of you, the drive to work. The petition. You see, those, those are the things that, that we seek after. Those are the asks that we make, the very specific things, the everythings that we are giving to our Father in heaven. And then something amazing happens. You see, if we do that with thanksgiving, we present them to God, and then this thing called peace comes along with it. See, Paul says we get the peace of God. And it transcends or it surpasses all understanding. It'll guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. It's the kind of peace that doesn't make sense. I don't know if you have, but I certainly have from time to time. I'll have a peace on something crazy going on in my life, and there's no way to explain it. Or someone will come up to me and say, man, how how are you doing okay with what's going on? That's what Paul's talking about. But see, he's saying that it's about the everything. And for you, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a job or a promotion that's in front of you. God says, yeah, I can handle that. Give that to me. Maybe for you, it's it's that you're a student and there's a test in front of you or you're applying for college and you're not sure what's going to go on. God says, yeah, I can give that to me. For you, maybe it's a relationship. Maybe you're single and you've been out of an abusive relationship or a tough relationship or maybe just a new one that you're looking for. And God says, give that to me. That's an everything type of mentality. And when your mom is wrestling with cancer, you think everything's important. 
But then sometimes there's the struggle about what's small enough, what's big enough, what should I trust him with, what should I be anxious about. Paul says none of it. Give it all to, give it all to Jesus. So it became specific prayers for appointments and tests and scans. And if you've been anywhere around cancer, you know those are cons- consistently in front of you. So I was persistent in my prayer. I, I was specific in my prayer. I tried to get into a rhythm where nothing was too small to hand over. And I wasn't perfect at it. But when your mom has stage three cancer, everything is valuable for help. And there's this missionary that I read about this week. Her name's Rosalind Goforth. She wrote a book called How I Know God Answers Prayer. Now, I want to tell you about Rosalind and show you what she said, because it's shocking once you know a couple of facts about her. First of all is that she never intended to be a missionary. She was an art student, graduated college in the, eight, the late 1800s, and then married a guy and went to Manchuria in China to be a missionary with her husband and spent most of her life there. She would have 11 children, five of which would die as infants or little ones. But here's what she says about prayer. Perhaps, however, the most blessed element in this asking and getting, it lies in the strengthening of faith, which comes when a definite, you could say specific, request has been granted. What is more helpful and inspiring than a ringing testimony of what God has done? You know, when I lifted up those prayers, those specific ones for my mom, there were opportunities that I had to see God work. There were opportunities I got to see where family members that weren't as connected ended up a little bit more connected through it. I got to see God answer some of them, but not all of them. And it fuels our faith when we give God something specific to come meet us in. But yet some of us, we just struggle all the time because we just give him the general things like, take care of my mama today. You get to the end of the day, how do you know he did anything for your mama? We be specific. God meets us in the specific. It fuels our faith. But even then, some of us have done that. Some of us have been there. We've done that. And we got no answer. Maybe you got an answer and it wasn't what you wanted. Maybe the answer that you got was the exact opposite of what you asked for in the first place. And so we struggle. In your notes, don't let unanswered prayer keep you from what God has for you. It's a challenge. It's my hope for you. Don't let unanswered prayer keep you from what God has for you. Maybe that job or promotion that that you've prayed for. Maybe that promotion didn't happen. Maybe you were laid off. Maybe that test that you were waiting to see the results of, it, it was negative or it was positive, whichever version you didn't ask for. Maybe for you, that relationship that you've been praying for, that person to come into your life, maybe it came, but it was bad. Maybe it hasn't come and you're wondering if it ever will. Maybe the applications, the SATs, the the stress, the anxiety of what's going on as a student is 
is hard and you don't feel God moving in it. With my mom, it was, it was hard because there were lots of prayers and there were lots of no's. That stage three cancer within just weeks would go to stage four. The, the hope that you have in that stage three of cancer, if you know it, is that there's still possible, there's still possibility for healing. So we prayed for it. But then it metastasized to her brain. The, the prayers for better tests and, and progress and lesions would go away were no's. And there were more lesions. There was more pain. There was more hurt. Did I give up? No. I found a way to change my prayer, to change what I was seeking after for God. I prayed some specific prayers that God did come along and answer. I said, God, I just, I just pray that, that her heart would be right with you so that whatever happens, I know that I have the hope where she is. I want to show you a picture of my mom. I would be in the room the last night, the night where God answered the last prayer. In all of her pain, unable to speak, barely able to breathe, I just simply asked for God to make it clear when it was time. And he answered it. And then I felt the Holy Spirit in the room. I can't explain it to you. It's a weird peace. It's almost like a peace that's surpassing all understanding. And I asked God to take her home. And he answered that prayer. Sometimes the answers are going to be no. Sometimes the answers are going to be not right now. Sometimes the answers are going to be the opposite of what you expect. But do not give up. Do not give up. You see, this stubborn little guy born to a stubborn woman had another stubborn little guy. And if you've seen a picture of my family at all, you know that, that looks a lot like my kid. She would never see him born. But I'm reminded of her every single day. Her heart, her hope for people is in this heart. She never saw me speak on this stage, but I know she had in her heart a vision for me that knew it would happen. In some way, do not give up. You see, my wife is a voracious reader much more than me. And during this season and seasons that would come, she read a book by a pastor named Stephen Furtick. It's called Sun Stand Still. The whole premise of this book is to help people build a, an audacious faith, the kind of faith that can pray prayers like Joshua of the Old Testament prayed. That he prayed that God would literally allow the sun to stand still in the sky so that he could win a battle for God. Spoiler alert, it happened, it was nuts. Go home and read it. But he writes this about unanswered prayer. And I want to share a little bit of that with you this weekend. He says, sometimes God has to let the sun go down so that his glory can shine through our lives. The darker that it gets in our situation, the brighter God is in his goodness, in his grace. That shines through for the whole world to see. He goes on to say that the sun may have gone down for a little while in your life. But when we see the timeline of our trials in the light of eternity, the pain lasts only for a moment. 
And Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. He says, in light, our, I'm sorry, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs all of them. So wherever you are in your faith, maybe the answer hasn't come, maybe the answer has come. And it's not what you want. God is working. I want to show you a picture of a young lady named Blake. Blake is a teenager and about a year ago was diagnosed with cancer. Very well could be a death sentence. But you see, her family decided they were going to throw the doors open of their life. And they were going to throw out this request. Pray for us. Pray for Blake. Persistently, specifically pray that she would be healed from cancer. Thousands of people on Facebook, a thousand people or so here at Emmanuel would begin praying for her. You see, her grandfather is Marion Glover, a pastor on our staff here at Emmanuel. If you don't know who he is, it's because you haven't been in the hospital. He hasn't buried you or married you yet. He's our pastoral care pastor. He's the hands and feet of Jesus for all of us, campus pastors and leaders and Danny. You see, they asked for prayer and not just pray everything would be okay. It was prayer, pray that our daughter, our granddaughter will be healed. All over the world, people are praying. A family member of a friend of a friend of a friend who goes to a church, one of the largest in the world, in Australia, puts their name on a prayer list. And all at one time, people are praying for appointments. They're praying for progress. All of us can celebrate because God showed up. And he honored those specific, those persistent prayers. And Blake, today, is cancer-free. And even closer to home, I want to show you a picture of a friend of mine named Erica. She's here on the right. It's her little guy right there, Brooks. He's awesome. Three years ago, Erica was leading an FPU table for Financial Peace University. Small groups were happening there in the lobby out here at the broadcast campus. And Well, she works here, so she needed to go back to her office to get something. So she heads back, takes a corner down a, a darker hallway to get back to the office and face plants in the middle of that dark hallway. She had a sudden cardiac arrest. Her heart just stopped in an instant. Six minutes would go by before someone walked by the hallway and noticed. A little bit of panic, a little bit of chaos. A mutual friend of ours named Lauren rushed to her rescue, helped to resuscitate her here on the floor of this building. She was rushed off to the hospital. I don't know if you don't have to be a nurse to know that six minutes without oxygen to your brain is, is not great stuff. It's almost always a death sentence. You see, Kirk, her husband, reached out to that friend, Lauren. Lauren was a nurse and knew what the situation looked like. But Kirk said, listen, I need you to pray. I need you to pray for 100% recovery. So he prayed. Lauren prayed that prayer boldly, persistently, specifically. Pastor Danny gathers all of us in the waiting room that could be there that night, not having any idea 
what state that Erica was in, whether she was going to make it or not. Her husband comes in and says, I want to pray for 100% recovery. And Danny looks in his eyes and looks in the rest of our eyes and says, we're going to pray for 100% recovery. So we persistently and specifically prayed for 100% recovery. God did it again. Erica is doing our graphics this weekend for me and serves as my assistant, helping me pretend to know what to do around here. Nearly 100% recovered. That's worth celebrating. That's worth honoring God for. You see, some of us, some of us struggle because we think those types of stories are far off, but we haven't trusted God with the specifics. We haven't given him a small challenge to meet us in, to build our faith, to fuel our faith. God is working. A pastor named Louis Giglio, I heard him say it this week. He said, listen, if you knew what God, did, God does when you pray, you would never stop praying. If you knew that when you pray that he would move systems and people all over your world to show his glory, to give you hope in whatever you're dealing with, if you saw him do that, you would not stop praying. If you saw what happens when you pray for peace, the barriers that God moves out of your way to give you space, or one small breath of peace, you would never stop praying. And that's why all of us have a challenge this week. All of us can take one more step to get better in our communication and in our relationship with Christ. And that's why we're gonna end with two questions. The first one is this. What reason have you allowed in your life to limit your prayer? Is it one of the five things that we talked about? Is it the other 95 things that could be in your life right now that are keeping you between a healthy relationship with Christ? Identify it, pick it out, focus on it this week. Grab, grab your neighbor and do si do and get some help fixing that thing. And maybe for you, it's that we've just, we've been a little too broad. The second question, what specific things have you not handed over to him? What specific things are in your life right now that you've either felt are too insignificant, he can't handle it, or he gave me a brain and I can do it on my own, whatever it is, I dare you this week to evaluate what you're giving to him, what you're not giving to him, and to hand it over and see what he will do. Because God will show up. And when he does, you praise him for it. You go back to Paul's instructions and you thank him for it. And then you give him what's next. And even if that answer is no, even if that answer is a mystery or it's the opposite, do not give up. Because God is still working. Now, if you're in the room today and you wouldn't call yourself a Christ follower, this, this talk of sort of a supernatural power it can hit you a couple different ways. One is that it's not something you're ready to wrestle with yet. And that's okay. We want to invite you back. Keep coming. Keep learning. Keep growing. Keep asking questions. But for some of us, today's a day where that's available for you. And you might be surprised, probably not, to hear that that relationship that trusting in faith starts with prayer. It starts with beginning a relationship with the creator of the universe. And what he offers to you is grace. And grace is simply getting what you don't deserve in the first place. 
You see, all of us are sinners. The Bible tells us that not one of us outside of Jesus can ever claim that. And so if you haven't accepted Christ, it's now is the time to step into a relationship with him and to own and to receive that what he did on the cross was to pay a penalty for you. He pays that penalty, but that's not where the story ends. You see, they would bury his earthly body and then he walked out of a grave three days later. Not only did he take the penalty for you, but he conquered it, proving once and for all that nothing is beyond him. So when he offers you peace, he can give it. When he offers you forgiveness, he can give it. So if you're ready to step into that relationship, I just wanna encourage all of us to be praying for those who are ready today. And if you're ready, I just want you to close your eyes right now. And you can trust him by saying something like this. Take my words and make them your own. Say, Jesus, thank you for standing ready to receive me. I trust you today. All of this stuff that I've been holding on to and fighting on my own, I give to you. Jesus, forgive me. I accept your forgiveness today for all of the sin, the wrong that I've caused against you and the people in my life. Wash me clean. Make me new. And I'll need your help as I take steps hand in hand with you. Give me faith. Jesus, it's in your name that I pray these things. And we all set? Amen. Now listen, if you, I got some people already clapping here at the broadcast campus because they know how incredible it is that when you accept Christ, you make an incredible decision. Let's celebrate all those decisions across all of our campuses and sites. Listen, not only has the creator of the universe offered the Holy Spirit up to you to partner with you and to help you conquer areas of your life that you've never seen a victory in and to walk with you side by side, not only that, but you get a free Bible. So, hey, at Emmanuel, we don't want you to walk alone in your faith. And so if you've made a decision for Christ today, at the back of whatever location that you're at, uh, you can see our friends in the back and they'll hand you one of these and they'll start a conversation with you about how we can partner with you in your walk with Christ. If you're watching online today, uh, you can tell us in the comments. We'll send one of these in the mail to you. Uh, God is doing incredible things around here, guys. Um, I wanna close today uh, by doing something specific. I wanna close today in prayer with a specific, and I hope that it will become something that you begin getting persistent at. Here at Emmanuel, we are on an incredible journey that includes a whole lot of growth. A lot of the behind the scenes work I am blessed to do is helping to receive all of you and all the friends you keep inviting. And as a growing church, we have two things that keep us going. We have an incredible vision to seek after people for Christ. We call it the relentless pursuit. But we have a leader that takes that upon his shoulders and marches with us at the front of us into God's kingdom. Pastor Danny has a heavy job leading us. And so today I wanna to pray specifically for him. Because whenever you see one of our guest speakers or me or a campus pastor on stage, he's taking a break to recenter himself, to spend time with his family. And he goes first in all of those things seeking after God. So if you'll join me in prayer, no matter where you are, 
We're gonna bow our heads and pray specifically that God will bless Danny, that he will bless the vision of this church and help us seek after those people in our lives. Let's pray. God, we come to you today thankful to have an opportunity to be challenged and and to grow in our walk with you. God, we're grateful that you have given a vision through Danny for this church. God, I'm grateful that you've given us a leader who goes first, who seeks after you with his heart, who guards his heart above all else. So today, I ask that you double his efforts. As he seeks after you, as he guards his heart, I ask that you guard it doubly. As he leads his family, I ask that you bless them. As the critiques and the arrows from Satan come, I ask that that you give them broad and strong shoulders. As the rest of us seek after those in our lives that, that you identify, I ask that you help to do that this week. Provide one opportunity for us to speak to someone, to, to encourage someone, to invite them into an environment where they can meet you for the first time or reconnect with you. Help us to relentlessly pursue those in our lives that need you. God, as we do that, we thank you. We thank you for this incredible journey you have us on here at Emmanuel, that we continue to grow and grow and grow. And may we, partnered with you, advance the kingdom at any rate that you'd have. Thank you. Jesus, we pray these things in your name and all of God's people. Set? Amen. Amen. Let's have a great week. I want to see all of you next weekend and bring a friend.